0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the You Should Run podcast. Welcome to 2024. This is my first recording of 2024. Uh, My name is Tony Heil, council member in Bridgeport, Pennsylvania, outside of Philadelphia. And if you've listened to this podcast, you know I've talked with people from every state, uh, from Florida to Alaska, Hawaii to Maine, all points in between, uh, from U.S. Senate to school board, and to hear all different perspectives on why you should run for office. There are 500,000 elected offices in this country, and a lot of them go uncontested or barely contested. Uh, Today, I'm going to talk to my new friend from Texas. I think that there's a lot of good things happening in Texas, even though a lot of people from other parts of the country um, turn their backs on it, don't pay attention. Um, But while there's negative politics happening in every state, uh, there are positive people and positive things happening everywhere. I want to thank my friend Paolo from the OutRun Coalition for introducing me to my new friend, Kristen Washington, from Greenville, Texas. She's running for the State House there this year. Very important election. Uh, and I'm looking forward to hearing her perspective. So, Kristen, thank you for talking today.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So, every time I have a guest on the podcast, the first thing I ask is, um, when did you become politically minded and involved? We, you know, obviously you voted, but... Did something spur in you to do more than just go and vote in a general election?
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm a native of Greenville, Texas. So growing up in Greenville, um, things have kind of always been one way. And I've always heard people complain about the roads, complain about um, why we don't have jobs here, complain about the water. Um, They also had questions to, well, we keep voting and electing people in office, but we don't see any changes. So in my 20s, um, I was just like, okay, they got a point. Everyone's complaining about we need new roads or we need to have them reconstructed or um, how we need to better our highways. But my curiosity got the best of me and I started trying to figure out, well, how can we make this work? How is this possible? And I knew about city council, but I didn't know exactly what the city council did per se. So I started doing more research. And in 2020, I ran for city council for the city of Greenville. I won the election, so I served three years, and when I got off city council in May, I had a new perspective of local government, and I was able to, I've been able to the last four years get more people involved in what's happened locally, get more people involved to ask questions to why we don't see the funds for for our economic development and why we don't see new development on this side of town, and that to me has been an amazing journey. Because not only am I teaching someone else about local government, but I'm also opening my eyes to see everything that we've been questioning for the last 20 so years. We've had the power to change it in our own hands, but no one took the step to make that Mm -hmm. change. So I decided to take this step.
0: I, I really am glad that you focus on local government because to me, you know, from I guess from your experience, a lot of people... They may be great people, and I don't mean to be critical, but they don't have any idea what goes on in local government. They're, they're focused on president, or they're busy with their own personal lives. So uh, I don't mean to say this in a negative way, but people don't realize all the things that go on in local government, right? Right.
1: And, and that's what is kind of scary. We, we focus more on presidential elections, and we forget about local elections and local government. Until something happens where we have to start asking those questions, well, who's responsible for this? And I always say, you are. You're responsible for it. And when people say, well, how am I responsible? Well, do you not know what you're voting for or mm-hmm. how voting works? And then they start asking, well, nobody explains this to me this way. So thank you, Miss Washington. So I've been, really enjoyed this journey.
0: Yeah, like, uh, Joe Biden rarely comes into my town. He did the other day, and sadly, frustratingly, he was a mile or two from my house, and he did not stop by to do this podcast. So, if he comes to Texas, you're going to make sure to find a way to tell him, hey, next time you're in uh, Montgomery County, this is what you got to do.
1: And, and, you know, what? It's, <laughs> it's it's a sad occasion, but Joe Biden was just here in Dallas for um, the, the passing of uh, Congresswoman Eddie Bernice uh, Johnson, and... I, I joke with my family like the one time we get Biden here, um, we still don't even meet him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, speaking of the congresswoman passing, the person who took over her spot is a uh, now congresswoman Jasmine Crockett. She did this podcast with me a couple years ago. It's really happy, just like you. She moved up the ranks and she moved from state house to Congress. Um, when you see some story like that, and there are others in the country, but that's obviously local to you. Um, you know what? What kind of motivation or example does that set for someone like you uh, looking into politics?
1: Oh, it's a positive example. Uh, Congresswoman Cock Car- Crockett has been my kind of like. She doesn't know this, but she'll know it now. She has been my mentor through this whole process because, again, here in Greenville, we don't see young Black women in leadership, especially not like on city council, especially not in politics. And watching Jasmine Crockett, watching um, Ms. Bowers, and watching women like that, it helped me realize I can be from a small town, I can make a difference, I can move up, and I can still show that there's positivity in politics.
0: And, you know, from my experience, I, I just had a council meeting this week, and we have a new member who I love. Her name's Laura Uh, So she's listening. Hopefully she heard that. But, um, you know, what I our votes are, we don't have a lot of contentious votes on our council, but the questions we ask are important. And she is newer on council, but not new to Bridgeport. So she asked some amazing questions. Um, That's something I've learned about the power of local government is not so much how you vote on a council meeting, but the the questions and how you build things like that. Is that something that you have kind of grown into? Because I can see that with Congresswoman Crockett, how that helped her.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, When I first got on council, I was nervous. I was scared because, again, I had no experience in politics. I had no experience in local government. I was just, and I still am, a mother of two boys who I'm raising here in Greenville. But my heart is telling me, go further, Go, go further. And When I was on city council, my first six months, I just sat back and I just watched. Mm -hmm. I observed everything. And that's sort of, you know, for me to be like, ask this question, Kristen. People are asking questions, but they're not not asking the right questions. And I realized, too, a lot of times when you're on city council, people just want to know that you see them, you hear them, and that you're understanding of what's going on. And once I kind of mastered that and getting them more involved and letting them know that I'm your council member, yes but I work for you and you work for me as well. So don't think because I'm council member, I'm above you. I'm not, I I still live here. I still go out, have fun. I play sports, play on the adult leagues here in Greenville. Um, And I'm highly active with just communicating with day-to-day people on knowing how things are going, how they see things, what would they like to see change. And I always tell them, come to a city council meeting and just speak up. You have three minutes before the meeting starts. Speak up because what you're questioning and what you have concerns about, someone else at home has those same concerns. They don't know how to just ask the question.
0: Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot lately because, especially watching the really dumb hearings in Congress this week, and I not that everyone was dumb, but I, they were talking about you know the uh, Bidens and Trumps and all of this corruption from that the Republicans kind of turn their their nose at, and then you have newer Congresswomen. Uh, Jasmine Crockett and a couple other newer people like Jared Moskowitz and a few others um, who, you know, maybe there's some older and I don't mean in age. I just mean in terms of their time in politics where they get along, go along to get along. And some of these fresher faces, they're not going to be shy about speaking their mind. I think th- does having some experience in local government give you kind of uh, the more confidence when you are in the state house if you win, to speak your mind? So maybe you don't pass your bill, but now you're not going to be as shy about speaking your mind if you get into power.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because I think that you have to, I'm 37, so I'm, I'm not young, but I'm not old. 37 but, is
0: young, Kristen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I, I just turned 37, but I, I realized sometimes when you ask questions, even though like you say there's 10 year politicians who've been doing this for years, for decades, And they need to be reminded of new perspective. They need to be reminded of um, a new angle and a new outlook. And being young and having teenage boys, I'm able to give my perspective. I'm able to give a younger perspective. And then I'm also able to say, you've done it this way for this many years, but at least think about trying, or let's just have the conversation. And right now in politics in general, across the board, we don't have conversations. We have debates. It's never a conversation. It's always mm-hmm. a debate or an argument. And that's what's really tearing us apart right now.
0: Yeah, so you got to serve on council. And I think that because the people you serve on council with are your neighbors, you know them, maybe it's easier to have conversations. But um, what are, are there some of the issues that you learned on council or that you were able to tackle that, well, now gives you perspective on what you would like to do in the state legislature?
1: Yes, uh, one of the biggest issues that I learned on City Council is infrastructure. Mm -hmm. We have a major problem with infrastructure. And if you would have told me when I was not on Council, Kristen, do you even understand what infrastructure consists of, I would have told you I have been even never thought about infrastructure at all, but not realizing infrastructure is water, infrastructure is our roadways, infrastructure is the broadband that we deal with, and being in the rural community, um, we have Super bad broadband internet access, and on council, I was able to sit in those meetings and, and start piecing together. Okay, this goes with this. Okay, so I can have this conversation about internet access, and when we have bad weather, you know what to do, and when things happen and that I can't explain, I then go back to previous council meetings and look at the agenda and mm-hmm. see how it was asked or how it was talked about, and try to you know reopen those conversations.
0: So if those issues exist, um, do, what what's what do you think is the issue that keeps the legislature from addressing them? Is it complacency? Is it um, that they're focused on something else? Like, why are they – because they seem like the, the job of government. I,
1: honestly, I would say complacency, and I would also say that most times – Elected officials just want to get elected, just want to get in and be in the in crowd, but they forget who they're representing in the in crowd. Um, in May here in Texas, uh, my former representative, Brian Slayton, was expelled from office. And so we had a special election. And what I ran in the special election against eight Republicans. And what I learned during the special election campaign is that everyone is focused on the party. Mm-hmm. And we keep forgetting about the people. We keep forgetting about what the people are dealing with. We keep forgetting about the conversations about health care, about how we live in rural community, but we don't have hospitals and doctors to really address the healthcare care needs. Um, how we have a, a high demand for mental illness and mental health, but we're not addressing those problems. We're just, you know, brushing it off and going on to the next thing. Um, politicians, sometimes you get in office, you forget exactly why we
0: elected you yeah it, it gets very frustrating i've talked i'm sure if you're in government and i've talked with a number of people who are in state legislatures around the country i think that's where the the most important politics are happening right now um and so many of them try, are I you know, talk to democrats mostly um, so, uh, obviously um and how does that feel to you as a person not just as someone running for office when you go to you're running against eight Republicans and you're the one focused on issues and they're focused on like their cultural or social or party issues.
1: I feel like I feel alone. I'm going to be honest. I Mm -hmm. feel uh, for a while. I felt alone because I'm like, I'm one person trying to make a difference for 196,000 residents in district two. And I'm one person trying to listen to everybody and trying to convince them to listen to me and to hear me out. Meanwhile, I have eight opponents who, on the outside, look like they're listening, look like they're paying attention, they're asking the right questions. But you can obviously tell through their work that they're not really connecting. Mm -hmm. And so I've spent the last seven months literally out in my district. Um, House District 2 covers three counties, Hills County and Van Zandt County. So I've spent my time out literally talking and getting to know the residents in in the counties and to know their problems and know what they face day to day and i always ask them if i wasn't a politician what would we talk about like a family around a round table how would we have a conversation about what's happening where you are right now and that has really been an eye-opening experience and very helpful for me because i think people in my district are realizing Yes, I'm a Democrat, but I'm a concerned Democrat about the problems and the issues that the people have in House District 2.
0: Yeah, you know, I've been watching trends. I follow, like, um, election Twitter, or um, I don't know how many of them are still on Twitter even, but focused on electoral trends in the country. And uh, it's interesting because you see some counties in Texas that because of the young professionals or, you know... um, professional moms or whatever, um, are college-educated families. They're moving far towards a Democratic side. away. So a place like Dallas used to be a strong Republican area or more conservative, and now it's different. Or, do you feel, like, from your experience being in Greenville, that maybe the politics um, are shifting and can shift because of the way that you're working and the other parties are working?
1: I think now um, it can shift. Uh, Greenville, Hunt County, Hopkins and Van Zandt County are highly red districts. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a, like a, a, very high rough uphill battle with trying just to convince people again, don't look at the party, look at the pe- person who's trying to serve you and let's just have a conversation. Um, but I'm, I'm very hopeful, hopeful and optimistic that it's going to change. It's going to, it's slowly trending towards more democratic is people are slowly waking up and I I joke around with my team a lot and I tell them it took me coming out to wake everybody up to wake up the democrats to wake us up to see you know we still have good people who want to lead who want to serve who want to make the change and I'm someone I'm not afraid of a challenge um I'm not afraid to ask questions if I don't understand it I'm going to tell you I don't understand let me research or let's sit down and talk about it.
0: Yeah. And I feel from talking to a number of people that reverse coattails are more important than down ballot coattails, like having a lot of places, there's no, there's not enough Democrats running for state legislature. And if you have more people like yourself running lower on the ballot, that's going to help the top of the ticket more. Is that something that when you talk to other people interested in politics that you talk about, like, hey, you could be the one that brings out those 500 voters that that switch this race or that race?
1: Oh, yes. And I try to make everyone see and realize, too, how I I view elections and how I view my race and my campaign. If I can spend 12 hours on social media a day talking about different random things, I can use that same energy and time in person talking to people. And I try my best to when I go places, I take different people with me. I want them to see. What I'm doing, you can mm-hmm. do it, too. And if I can do it, you can do it, too. Don't let nobody stop you. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter uh, what color you are. It doesn't matter your sexual orientation. It doesn't matter if your hair is short, if your hair is long. It doesn't even matter if you're short or if you're tall. Okay. If you know that there's an issue, there's a problem, and you want to address it, maybe just speak up about it.
0: And, you know, you talked about focusing on, like, local issues, infrastructure, uh, broadband, and things like that. Um, I, I feel like when you have someone like yourself, you're, you're almost branding the party, like Republicans are branded on being very harsh on immigration, defending Donald Trump, no matter what he does, nothing about actual issues. Um, and it feels like when you have when you kind of recruit and encourage Democrats to run down ballot, do you think it's a branding opportunity? Like, were the people focused on the bread and butter issues?
1: I think it is a brand-new opportunity, Um, and again, it's going to take more so individuals like myself, it's going to take, I call them well-seasoned Democrats, to to come out and start speaking and talking and explaining, and it's also going to take, as much as I hate to say this, it takes us to not be afraid Mm
0: -hmm. to
1: be seen, You, you can't be afraid to be seen.
0: Yeah, and I think that you have, like you said, you have Jasmine Crockett, you have uh, other uh, younger minority, black, Hispanic, um, Asian candidates running for office, now. more diverse people, especially on the Democratic side, um, who, because of a lot of the hate online, may have kept away from that. How important it is for, to you for representation to encourage people not just in Texas, in your district, but when they look at candidates all over the place to feel like they're welcome to run for office too.
1: It's it's very important because, again, I'm a a young black woman from East Texas. Um, While on city council, everywhere I went, because Greenville is well known, Greenville is well known for its motto, the blackest land, the whitest people. So imagine being a young black girl everywhere you go. And I'm not Kristen. Oh, my God, you're from the blackest land, the whitest people. Yes, I am. That's where I'm from. Um, And for a little bit, I would tell my family, I don't want to do this no more. And my Mm -hmm. dad would tell me, what you mean you don't want to do it no more? It's going to take somebody like you coming from East Texas, coming from Greenville, with that slogan to start showing everybody around the nation, no matter who you are, no matter where you come from, no matter your ethnicity, no matter your sexual orientation, if you have it in your heart to serve, serve. If you have it in your heart to lead, lead. Um, Don't let people you know, put you in a corner in a box and, and label you and you just stay there forever. Come out the norm. Break the norm.
0: Well, one of the ways I see from your website and from seeing you online that you're looking to serve is through education. You talk about your boys. Obviously, school is important if you're a parent. Well, for most parents, I assume. Um, and schools are such a disappointingly controversial issue. Like it should To me, it shouldn't be controversial. Um, but sadly, in a lot of state legislatures, there are. What, what have you learned from your local government experience that you would bring to the state house when it comes to something like that?
1: The, the first thing that I learned is everybody doesn't really fully understand how in the school district and in a school system, how it works. Mm-hmm. A lot of people complain about, oh, well, this school is not getting funding because you know they're located on the south side of town. And it's like, no, it's it's bigger than that. If you go to your school board meetings, be active with the school board, um, not just your school boards, ask your teachers and your administration, how do you feel?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You live this life every day, you get up every morning, you go to teach our kids, how do you feel? And I had to do that. I had to literally my family is full of teachers and educators, but I had to step outside of my normal box and start, you know, going to schools and asking principals and teachers, what do you want from your legislator? What how can I help you? Mm. And one thing that I've heard no matter where I go in my district, nobody's ever asked me that. Mm-hmm. No one's never cared enough to ask me that. Can I get back with you? And I'm like, yeah, sure. We can talk about this whenever you want to, but I want to know how I can help you and how I can better serve you and what you want and what you need. And the biggest thing I hear is teachers pay. Teachers are underpaid. Mm -hmm. We've seen the last 10 years a spike in the different school students and mental health again. And we expect teachers to go to school Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Let's say there's a school shooting on Thursday. They're out of school Friday, but they're back on Monday, trying to, you know, conduct business as normal. or We're not addressing their needs. We're not taking the time to really assess what's really happening with not just our teachers but the children. We keep forgetting about them until this last minute.
0: So what, from what you've seen, is the reason they're not getting paid because people just love to talk about how they don't raise taxes or they're not investing in it? Like, it seems to happen in most states where teachers are underpaid – Um, What would you do to help address that?
1: I would sit down and and look at, number one, our budget for uh, education funding and where we really spending money at. Why can we not pay our teachers what they need to be paid? Like what is really stopping us? Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of times you see um, at the legislative level, they have the conversation, but it stops and then it's never brought up again until maybe another election year. This is something that has to be talked about constantly, 24 seven in my eyes, because again, our education system is what helps us all if we wanna be realistic about it. Um, not just our kids who are in school right now, but even adults, You know, they, they need to know, if I wanna go be a teacher, if I wanna be an educator, if I wanna be an administrator, like, do I really fully understand that my, my state government will actually back and support me in my dreams? Will they allow me to be who I want to be and allow me to teach, you know, with their curriculum, am I going to be able to actually do it?
0: Yeah. And I know for me, part of the reason my property values are so great is because we live in a district where people want their kids to go to school. If we were sadly just a mile away, our property wouldn't be as valuable to a lot of people because um, they don't want to go to that school district. And that's not fair. At all. Yeah, I follow a few – I like following state legislators around the country. I learn so much from the state government more than I do from anyone else. Um, I follow James Talarico from Texas as well, and he's been really outspoken about the, the problematic voucher bills in Texas and how, as he said, it's vouchers can be fine, I guess. You can do things in a certain way, but these are designed to siphon money from public schools – and give money to wealthy families. I was like, so they get a discount. It doesn't really bring up anyone else. Have you been following that? Um, is there, you know, do you think you would join with people like that to to direct the funding into local schools?
1: Yes, I'm 100% against the voucher system, the voucher program. I do not agree with it at all. Um, in my eyes and my perspective, I think that it is a form of discrimination because, again, if we choose to use the voucher system, um, these private schools then have an opportunity to pick and choose who they would like to allow in. That's not fair to those kids who have a special needs. Uh, it's not fair to parents who really just truly can't afford it. Um, and in, in my case, in the rural areas, where will we go? We have to find schools to get our kids to, and then that's added on more stress to parents to to guardians on, you know, is it really worth it? Is it, is it really worth me doing this uphill battle? So I am 100% against the school vouchers. Um, like you stated before, it is putting money back into the wealthy pockets and when we can be better funding our public system, our public school systems.
0: Yeah. I mean, my kids walk home from school. I love our, our elementary school. Uh, and if they went to a, had to go to some expensive private school, one, I would have to shell out money I don't have for it. And two, they wouldn't be able to walk to school. They would lose that. Exactly. So the podcast is called You Should Run, and you have run for local government. You are running for state government. You've had a lot of conversations. If people are listening now, what would be your words of encouragement or or first lessons? Like If you're thinking about running for office, what would be the first thing you would tell uh, an interested candidate to do, especially now at the early part of 2024?
1: I would highly suggest you sit down with your family and make sure that your family understands what's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, luckily for me, my family is very supportive. Um, again, I have teenage boys, so they didn't understand at first what I was doing, but now they're starting to even have conversations. So sit down with your family and make sure that this is um, not a hobby, that you're really into serving and you want to make be the change you wish to see see um maya angelou's quote if you don't like something you change it you can't change change your attitude has been what i've been going by for the last 20 years of my life and it's not going to be easy but it's worth it Mm -hmm. it is well worth it um i would highly suggest you get involved locally volunteer attend meetings ask questions and if you don't understand it be honest with yourself and say i don't understand it um, local government, local politics is people making it seem like it's really, really hard, but it's not. Especially when you have a passion for it, it's really not. Um, this is your opportunity right now to really show the world. And when I say the world, I mean the world around you, that you're built for something much greater. Um, being an elected official, it has so many expiring perks to it because you're learning constantly and when you think you're not learning you're still learning something but don't give up as many times as you want to quit don't quit keep going keep fighting because in the end I tell everybody when my time is up and I leave this earth I at least know that I left an imprint by getting people to have the conversation about things we would never talk about on a daily basis when it comes to our livelihood
0: that's great. I, I really appreciate that. Um, before we go, I think about the imprint I get to make on local government. I've got, had a chance to serve for 10 years now. Um, you've been involved in your local government and now running. Based on what you've done already, is there anything that you feel most proud of, whether it's that you put your, foot in the, your hat in the ring to run, um, some, a particular issue, something you brought up, or some, something you passed, is there anything that you feel most proud of that you want other people to know about?
1: I'm very proud that when I was in the special election, I was the only lone Democrat against eight opponents. I didn't let them scare me. I didn't back down. I stood ten toes down, head held high, shoulders back. And I learned that most times all you have to do is just get in the room. Mm-hmm just get in the room. (laughs) And once you're in that room, people see you and people will be able to feel you. And, and you don't have to, sometimes you can just sit quiet and not say nothing, but I'm very proud that I know that a normal person would have quit. They would have given up or they would have said, this is too much, but no, I, I, I use that as a drive to keep showing people no matter what you're faced with, keep going.
0: Well, I'm glad you didn't quit. I'm glad that the Outrun Coalition introduced me to you. Um, But if other people want to be introduced to you, they want to follow your campaign, ask you questions, get inspired, what are the best ways to follow you online?
1: You can um, go to my website, KristenWashington.com. You can follow me there. You can follow me on Facebook. It's Kristen Washington for Texas House. I also have a Twitter account, which is kwashington4hd2. Um, And I I try to post everything online, on my website, or on social media to keep everybody active and informed. You can also send me an email if you would like to at info at kristenwashington.com.
0: And I will attest that Kristen will get back to you. She's very attentive and has a lot to say. Uh, Kristen, I really appreciate your time, and I wish you the best of luck. I'll be following what you do in Texas this year.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity.
0: And if you're listening, hopefully you're inspired by Kristen, and maybe you should run for office, too.